When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 173 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sport Social, the UK's unedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. And it's me and Lee today to, to take you through the next hour or so as we look back on that two-all draw against Leicester City in what was what was dubbed a, a real relegation six-pointer, wasn't it? You know, what a, what a massive game it was. What a great game for the neutral, it's got to be said. Unfortunately, we aren't neutral. And I had massive heart palpitations, nearly broke the television, um, and, and struggled so much the 90 minutes, to be perfectly honest. Um, but that that's the that's part of the course when it goes with uh, with Everton at this moment in time. And it's a game which we we certainly could have won. Some might say should have won, based on the opportunities that we had. Um, obviously, Leicester City had a penalty saved by Jordan Pickford as well. But Lee, are you looking at it as a, as two points thrown away, or are you looking at it as a as a another point in a in our step towards safety? Um, well, I think you're on the same page as me. I, mean, I genuinely think the former instead of the latter. I think it was two points dropped. Going into that game against a really poor Leicester side, let's be fair, I, I genuinely think, you know, you look at that Leicester midfield, Tielemans and Madison get into most sides in the Premier League, don't they? Right? But the reason they are where they are is you look at the... T- I looked at Tielemans' body language a lot of the time, well, even, even Madison himself, and that they weren't up for the fight, right? They both know that at the end of the season, they're leaving Leicester City, aren't they? You know what I mean? Whether they stay up or go down, they're leaving. So and they played that way, and we going into that game, looking at the two fixtures in particular we have next, we had to win that game for me. And the, with the way the game panned out, especially, you know, po- possibly one of our best performances, certainly going forward, one of our best performances uh, this season, and under Dyche. And it was the weirdest game I've ever seen in my life, in a way. And obviously, like you said. As a neutral, you'd have been glued to it. And I spoke to a few fans who are neutral, you know, a few mates of mine. They were loving it. And then they were texting me, kind of going, God, you, you must be ill. And I was like, I'm struggling to even watch this. It's that, it's that bad. And then, you know, to, to, to actually potentially have gone in, other than a Jordan Pickford penalty save, we could have actually gone in 3-1 down at half-time against a team that, let's be, let's be honest, we played them off the pitch. We played them off the pitch. I mean, we we dominated that first half. We were great from the from the first whistle. We were up for it, weren't we? Their fans, their fans were obviously clearly a bit nervous. They were obviously making a lot of noise. Everything else. Some of the people we know went to the game were saying that you know they were mega nervous about Everton coming here and out fighting us and everything else. And, and that's how it that's how it that's how it played out. We were clearly up for it. We were we were winning tackles. We, you know, Seamus came back into the side and and you know, God bless him, it was a horrible tackle. That took him out of the game. But let's be honest, up until then, he was our, our best player, probably the best player on the pitch, to be fair. You know what I mean? Had a big hand in the first goal. And it, 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 I just cannot fathom how how we've you know, not managed to win that game of football. I just can't, Mike. I, gen, I generally, I mean, we'll obviously go through it, but I just I just can't fathom how we just didn't win that game. Now, you just said that is, is you know, 
is that a, a good point? It could prove to be, right? It could prove to be. We don't know. But the game was there for the taking for me. It was there for the taking. It was wide open and it was there for the taking. And, you know, there's a load of factors that come into it, the mistakes that were made, everything else. But for me, it is absolutely... I cannot get my head around why we didn't make any subs once we sort of seem to be running out of legs in the second half. Once our energy levels dropped a bit after 60 minutes, after we got the equaliser, you could see some of our players were leggy for all the effort they'd put in until that point. And to make no changes, none, is, is, is it's borderline suicidal, that for me, that how we didn't bring any changes on whatsoever. It was crying out at that point for like a Damari Gray, wasn't it, to come on the pitch against his former side, loads of pace. You know, we were creating chances with a team that was on it on its backside, weren't we? In terms of fitness in the second half, we were still creating chances. So for me, it's massively two points drop, mate. In answer to your question, a long-winded answer to your question. Well, I mean, you brought up many, many things there, which obviously we are, we are going to go through. And the best place to start is obviously the start of the game, and and you know the how we actually started the game and, and getting the early goal, obviously through a Dominic Calvert Lewin penalty after 15 minutes. But Everton started with an intensity, and they, they started on the front foot, looked like the a side who you know are quite quite capable of attacking and and taking games to to side, as we know ourselves. Watching us in recent weeks. Newcastle game, the most recent, which was terrible. Um, you look down the Palace game, which was a obviously a nil-nil draw. We didn't carry much attack and threat in that game. We, we were poor against Fulham. You know, we haven't seen Everton in recent weeks be much of an attacking force. But before that, we said it on this podcast many, many times. One of the things that we we, we praised Sean Dyche for was making us that bit more offensive. Since he's come in, we, we, we were causing problems for sides in those early weeks under under the new manager. You look at the games against, obviously, Arsenal, uh, Brentford, Leeds, Aston Villa. I know we lost the game, but before they got the penalty, we were the better side, and that we were causing problems. Um, so that's one thing that he had done. And in recent weeks, what it seems what it seems to have happened with Everton is not only have we have we sort of gone backwards in an attacking sense, we've lost our, our defensive stability as well. The number of goals that we've been shipping is... is so unlike a Sean Dyche side, and that's the most concerning thing. So going away to Leicester, it was almost it was it was two poor defensive units against each other, which led then to a, a game which obviously end, ends two all, but a game that was full full of chances. And you know we we look at the at the stats from the game between both sides, it was thirty eight shots on goal, Everton having twenty three of those shows you and tells you everything that you need to know. But Everton started with, with a great intensity, like you say. Seamus Coleman was was highly influential and in, in creating yeah the at the shot himself, but he was pushing he was pushing really high up, which we haven't seen from our fullbacks in recent weeks, especially with him not being not being part of the side. But Mikhalenko was getting forward as well. Um obviously Seamus thinks the ball over the top for Dominic Calvert Lewin, who looked looked sharper by the game. Stonewall penalty and up steps Dom to, to to slot the ball in the in the roof of the net and give us a fantastic start. And you know, a start that we deserve. We always say, you know, when we're on top, you got to you got to score, you've got to take advantage, you've got to get a goal. And we did, and you thought, put us in great stead here because now they're going to be nearly Leicester. Not only are they, uh, you know in the live table will be going above them, they're at home. They're dropping obviously in the bottom three, and they've they've got the pressure to then come back and and take the game towards them. That was where Everton became Everton yet again. And this is what, what is so frustrating. Like you said, you know, we could have gone in three one down in the first after the first half in a half of football where we probably played some of our best attacking football under Sean Dyson. And I just I just couldn't fathom it. But yet again, it's mistakes. We we how many often have we said this in recent years? How many times do our mistakes cost us daily? And it's not just obviously goalkeeping mistakes that all sides have. It's mistakes that sometimes, as we saw with Alex Iwobi in the second goal, giving the ball away on halfway. So, you know, James Madison, of all people, who, who, who fly, um, slides the ball through for, for uh, Jamie Vardy, and it's 2-1. But the first goal, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm trying to pick it apart a little bit and, and see, you know, could could we have done better? And I think we could. You know, it's it's a set piece coming in. We don't defend it, defend it well at all. 
we don't win the first ball, we don't win the second ball. And then you've got then players not really committing to, to actually block block the shot. James Tarkowski, for me, I, I can't make out why he moves out of the way. The ball's coming towards goal. He's in front of Jordan Pickford. And he sort of goes onto his side as if to let the ball go past him, as if either one, he's got a shout from Jordan Pickford, which I don't think he did, or two, he expects the goalkeeper to save it. And whatever the situation was, it's another car crash bit of defending from, from Everton. Um, and without, without pointing fingers at, at, at any individuals, as a defensive unit, they've let themselves down again. And we, we lost the first header, didn't we, when it was put back in? Mm. You know what I mean? It's the two centre-halves for them combined, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, was it Vass? Was it Vass? Was it who, who won the first header? And then obviously, uh, Soyuncu put it in. But if you look at it, Keane gets attracted to the ball, doesn't he? So uh, the ball gets, you know, Cross back in on the second phase, and you know Keane's got Soyuncu there in his sights. You know he's almost like you know you can almost feel him if you like behind him. The ball gets put to the back post. Obviously there that Vass has won the first header. Now Keane gets attracted to the ball when it goes to the back. We've got more than enough defenders at the back post there dealing with it. Okay, we lost the you know we lost that contact, but then he's then got to know we're like well the only place the the only threat really is a guy behind me. So by the time it drops over his head. And so Unchu then gets the shot off. It's too late, isn't it? And he, he turns his back on it then. Turns his back on it. Now, if Keane stays where he is, touched tight to his man there, when he gets headed back in, he probably, he, he, you know, he doesn't allow the guy to bring it down and get the shot off. You know, the guy's then got to win a header above Keane. And let's be honest, he wasn't going to score with the header from there against a guy who's very good in the air, Michael Keane. So getting attracted to the ball, that little bit of a smidge second there means that it's over his head. The guy's brought it down. And then he's got the shot off and it's gone through his legs. He's turned his, he's kind of semi-turned his back on it. And then you're sitting there going, they've basically scored with their first attack. It was like Newcastle all over again. You know I mean? They basically scored, having started so well again, of this time we got the goal that we deserved. You know, they end up basically scoring with their first attack. And then their fans must be thinking, oh, thank God for that. Because the way we were playing then, we could have gone on and got two or three. You know what I mean? We were that, that much on top. And, you know, we were attacking even after the penalty. We didn't retreat like we have done in other games after we scored the first goal. And then, obviously, they're back in it. And then before you know it, mate, we're 2-1 down. And you're thinking, how, how on earth is this even, this even possible? How on earth is this even possible? They're, they're literally 2-1 up against us. I mean, and like you said again, another mistake. Now, I've, I've been saying, you know, Awobi's essentially sacrificing himself again. You know, we've, we've heard, com- you know, conversations with previous managers, Lampard in particular, and like I said, we all know Alex's best position is number 10. You know, his best position is, is, is the front of a midfield three, trying to slide balls in, right? We know that, you know, he, he loves to slide, slide passes. He's obviously scored a few goals in that position. So he's now, because he's an honest lad and he works hard, he's got a great engine and he tracks his man He's basically sacrificing himself for the team by playing out on the right-hand side. We know that, right? We also know it's not his favourite position. And we know why, because that happens far too often. You, you know, you said in, in the week when we played against Newcastle, the amount of misplaced passes he was doing. Now, his first thought, Alex, every time he gets it on the right-hand side, he always comes inside because he wants to be involved in the middle. And he hasn't really got a left foot. He hasn't really got a left foot. He can't shoot with his left foot. He can't really cross with his left foot. You know what I mean? So when he comes inside there, if you look at that, I think it was at Decorio McNeil who was on the far side, on the side. There was a potential pass on to be able to slide that in. Now, no, it was Decorio actually. McNeil had made a great run now, a diagonal run down the right side. Now, in reality, what what really he should have done is flipped it into that space for McNeil, shouldn't he? He should have flipped it in there because McNeil had the run on his man as well. And if you actually look at it closely, McNeil is berating him, going, why didn't you just slot it down there? Could have been potentially breaking into their box. He turns that pass down, shimmies inside, and then obviously underhits a pass, like a weak pass. And then before you know it, obviously Vardy, I said to you, didn't I, half time, Vardy's on his bike. Vardy knows. He's savvy enough. You know, he's been in that position a million times before. He knows, right, we've won it now. Telemans flicks it to Madison. Vardy's Vardy's already gone. He's gone. Now, one thing with Vardy now, obviously he's nowhere near as prolific as he was in previous seasons. He's getting on a bit now. But he's still got that turn of foot. He's still he's still got that little bit of pace. It's too late. By the time Michael Keane reacts, it, you know, he's through his knees in on goal. And to be honest, I said to you, 
Keane almost semi-panics then and pushes him a little bit in the back. Now, we know Vardy doesn't need an invitation to go down. Now, if Vardy would have gone down there, it's a red card. You know what I mean? It's a red card. And then, look, he would have done it outside the box, so it's a free kick. We may, they may not have scored from the free kick. But then suddenly you're down to 10 men for more than half a game again, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? So we were lucky in a way he didn't go down, although he ended up taking it on. And obviously, you know, his momentum took him past Pickford. And let's be honest, it was a good finish. You know, he buried it. But then we're sitting there heads, heads in hands going, how are we 2-1 down here? How are we 2-1 down? But then to be fair, unlike in previous games where we've just folded and completely capitulated, we showed a bit of resilience. And then we're, you know, we, we reasserted control. And then McNeil, we do, we do a nice move down the left-hand side. McNeil, McNeil gets in behind their defence, puts a lovely cross in, gets the slightest of deflections. And then you sit in there going, oh my God, how's he missed that? Mm. How's, how's, he, how's Dom effectively? You know, it, I mean, the only place he couldn't have put it, other than missing it wide of the post on the other side, was basically right there, back where the keeper was, wasn't it? And look... Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, some people are saying that deflection made you know made all the difference and it hit him on the heel. But let's be honest, he should he should have scored, shouldn't he? He still should well, have he, scored. He, does, he, he did reference the deflection, by the way, when he spoke to them after the game. It came up this morning. The interview. Yeah. Um, he did reference. He's you know he said the, the deflection. He said it's then because of the deflection. Because if you think about it, he's timed it perfectly. If it doesn't yeah. stop the defender, yeah. he's already pulled his foot to the perfect position, and he and the timing's right with that deflection. It takes it behind him. It's such, listen, it, Look, can't he, has to readjust. He, he has to readjust his feet. Doesn't he? he does, he and, and, and feet, it's yeah. such a short space of time to do that. And anywhere else on his foot, if it hits any other part of his foot, it goes in. Yeah. It just happens to hit his heel, which puts it right back where the goalkeeper is. But then it goes from that, doesn't it? They It gets clear. They go down the other end. It was nearly like, like an action replay again. Vardy's going through. This time, luckily, thinks it, it's the bar goes over. You know, in the space, I think it was about a, was it? Did you say it was about seven or eight seconds between Dom having that yep. chance and, yep. and then Vardy in the bar? So we've got away with one there, haven't we? Um, I mean, then, let's be honest, he turned Michael Keane inside out again, didn't he? I mean, yeah, I mean, he was all over the show. I mean, he's gone one way, gone the other way, gone the other way, and, and let's be honest, he, he should have scored. Yeah, you know I mean, he should have scored. Oh, he's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a massive miss for, for a player of Vardy's standards and level. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to obviously the defensive side of things shortly and, and potential changes of personnel. But, you know, that was a let off for us, wasn't it? Um, and you think, you know, things can't get can't get much worse, given the fact that, you know, we, we played so well, but we look so vulnerable every single time that they attack, especially on the counter. We look really vulnerable. We then see, obviously, the, the, the tackle on Seamus Coleman. And, you know, it looks by all accounts that Seamus has either broken his leg, done his ACL, because his, his leg bent totally the wrong way. Um, nothing made, by the way, of the tackle at all, uh, which I thought was very, very strange in terms of, you know, there was not, wasn't a discussion around it. It wasn't, it wasn't, don't get me wrong, it wasn't the worst tackle in the world. And it's not me, I'm not sitting here advocating for every player to be sent off just because a player gets, gets injured and potentially seriously but it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't great. Um, we didn't. I, I just said to you off air, didn't we? Didn't. If you look at the sky, was showing a replay. I think they were showing. Was it a replay of Vardy's chance? I think they were. Mm. Or they were trying to show the Calvert Lewin, obviously miss, and then the Vardy chance, like second yeah, after it. Yeah, yeah. And I think as they were showing the replay, all they suddenly said, "Oh, Seamus Coleman's down here." And also, so I, I don't think I've yet to see. I don't know whether you have. I've yet to see a, a, a normal full full. You know, normal speed viewing of that tackle. All we've yeah. seen, all we've seen is replays, and obviously they slowed it down. It doesn't make great viewing, like you said. But you know, again, you know, from what we can see or what we said, it was another sort of semi-hospital pass from Michael Keane, who's in between the two, in between the player and the, obviously the Leicester lad. And then Sumari thinks he can get it. It's one of those, isn't it, where he thinks he can get it. Seamus thinks he can get it. He can't pull out of it. His legs is straight, and he's gone in heavy. And Ian Sumari's a big lad. You know what I mean? He's a big lad, and. They both missed the ball, and he just—he was just horrible, wasn't it? And you know, of all the players as well, because you know, like you said, he was offering so much down that right-hand side, getting forward. It was like Seamus rewinding the clock of like five, six years ago, wasn't it? You know, what I mean, he was—he was aggressive. You know, as I said, he was heavily involved in the first goal. You know, and 
I just felt so sorry for him. You know what I mean? And we feared the worst, and we, you know, we know he snapped his tib and fib playing for Ireland. Mm. And at first, it did look like a leg break, didn't it? And then obviously, then you look at it and go, well, it could be like ligaments, which then could be his career over. Mm. And um, you know, I mean, obviously, the news has come out this morning, hasn't it? That um, it turns out he hasn't even done his ACL, which is a minor miracle. I mean, he's back. You know, he's back. He's back on Monday. He's back on. You know what? <laughs> Knowing Seamus, right? I, I, you know. You could imagine him having it heavily strapped up and playing. You know no, what no. I mean? You really like good. Man, but he's, you know, what, what a, the attitude of the man, you know, it's testament to him. He's going off going off the pitch on the stretch here. He's giving it loads to the away fans. You know, let's, you know, let, let's let's see the players up. And he's saying to the players, come on, you know, let, let's pull it out of here. And that, that's, that's him, isn't it? You know, he's the epitome of Everton Football Club and everything that 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 is is right about us, you know, and, and what it means to play. For, for Everton and it's Seamus Coleman in, in a nutshell and you know he, he takes his, his role as the as captain as as a senior player in that in that side very very seriously and his love for the club is, is obvious and you know it's... Well, mate, I, I love him to bits mate I, I genuinely do I think I love him to bits because he's he's maximised every ounce of his talent at Everton Football Club now it's mm-hmm. sad obviously similar to Bainsey and a few others before him that you know he may he may not have anything to show for it but like you just said there, what epitomises a player for Everton Football Club is Seamus Coleman for me. Mm. You know, absolutely outstanding. You know what I mean? He's been a fantastic player for us. You know, not just in terms of commitment and loyalty and everything else. He's been a top fullback. He's been yeah. a top fullback. You know, will he go down as maybe in, in a lot of other people's eyes as maybe a top 10 fullback ever in the Premier League? Probably not. But certainly in Evertonians' eyes, I mean, he'll go down as one of our best ever fullbacks we've had in our history, mate. And that, and that's not just exaggerating. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's 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 been a phenomenal player for us. You know, him and Baines at one stage were arguably, you know, two of the best fullbacks in the Premier League. You know what yeah. I mean? And 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 you know, I really felt from now if it turns out, you know, like it said that it's not as bad as first feared. Hopefully, he can maybe have a little say in the. I mean, it'd be a massive ask. He's probably got massive swell in there. But we have got big gaps in between these last four games now, haven't we? So mm. you know, there's a chance he may be able to come back. Although, to be fair, as we've been bloody saying for, for, for God knows how many weeks now, Patterson came on and played well. You know, who'd have thought it? A right-back playing right-back, mate. I know. It, it, yeah, it's, we, we've, a lot of people, people have been saying, obviously, we've, we've experienced Mason Holgate playing there when he got sent off against Crystal Palace. We've obviously seen Ben Godfrey struggle Struggled in in recent weeks and missed out by uh, through a brewing injury, according to the manager. But I think maybe just for his own his own mental health, to be honest, because I think his confidence must be absolutely shot, especially after that Newcastle game. He was ran absolutely ragged. You know whether it be the, the play being switched diagonally over his head, whether it be Newcastle's quick attacking players going at him and getting past him, he struggled absolutely so much in recent weeks. So he was taken out, and it's it was and nice. I feel for him on that point, by the way. Just quickly feel for him massively because he's been asked to play left back, he's been asked to play right back, he's been asked to play centre half. Yeah, I mean, he's a centre half. We bought him as a centre half, and mm. because he's an athlete and he's got pace, he's effectively being asked to play at full back. Full back's a massively different position. Everybody knows that. Massively different position compared to centre half. You know, I mean, where you, you know, you're up against quick wingers running at you constantly, aren't you? Like you said, you're susceptible to switches of play, you haven't really got the protection a lot of the time. You know what I mean? I, I massively felt for him. You know what I mean? And and you know certainly at right back, he's a lot more comfortable at left back, isn't he? Where he can come inside on his right foot. But at right back, it's 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 you know I, I massively feel for him. I really do. Yeah, hugely. Yeah, but we've got to take it into account, and we we've referenced this time and again. But he's come back. You know, he suffered terribly with COVID, and I don't think he's ever ever recovered properly from COVID. I've got to be honest. Um, and he, he obviously broke his leg first game of the season. As well, and you know those two things combined, plus a few niggly injuries, and and his pace is certainly being impacted, and and he struggles, and it's a shame, you know, a player with with the potential like that Godfrey had when he first came to the club, um, he's gone through, he's gone through the ringer, to be honest with you. So I do, I do feel for him. But nice to see Nathan Patterson come on and get a full half just before half time. He, he comes on, um, but still time, obviously, for us to give away a penalty, you know, a, a Michael Keane handball, and luckily for us, Jordan Pickford and. And the the Everton goalkeeping analytics team do their homework because as we've we've all seen the water bottle, nothing new by the way. Although Talksport would have you believe he's uh, he reinvented the wheel, Jordan Pickford, and it was uh, giving him an unfair advantage. It's absolute comedy from that particular channel. Well, 
Jordan Pickford, obviously, with his water bottle, he has the, the penalty takers on there. And it says 60% of the time, James Madison will put the ball down the middle. What's Jordan Pickford takes a little step to the right to try and say, I'm, I'm moving, and then stays where he is. And fantastic for us. And I think that was a shot in the arm that maybe we needed. You know, it was we, we had to recover. Uh, we'd seen that we'd, we'd lost our captain. We nearly conceded a third goal via Jamie Vardy and missed it, an open goal ourselves, and then conceded a penalty just before half time. And maybe that Jordan Pickford save was what spurred the, the half-time team talk because Everton came out second half and started the second half, I thought, well again. You know, we, we, we looked to react. Um, lovely finish from Alex Iwobi. You know, I, I was one of them saying, listen, half-time, take Iwobi off. I thought he was poor. And take Michael Keane off. I thought he was poor. Give us a chance. If it, whether it was Cody or Mina, get them on. You know, get the migraine on. Let's give us some pace to, to go with the fullbacks. Thomas had been booked already as well. So get the migraine on. The manager didn't. Obviously, stuck with Alex Iwobi. Lovely finish, by the way. Nice little cross from Dwight McNeil, who I think, yet again, I thought, put in a fantastic shift. And, and the more I see of Dwight McNeil this season, the more I've enjoyed watching him play. I've got to be honest, I think he's really come to the fore in, in recent weeks um, under Sean Dyson. He's as much as we're not in fantastic form, he's one player who you certainly can't question in terms of commitment every time he crosses that white line. But lovely, say lovely goal from Alex Iwobi to get it. Obviously, do him the world the good to score to score as well. And it was one of those. You know, the second half was just it could have gone either way. Of course, they had the Jamie Vardy header, which was off the line from Tarkowski. I think you know we put it anywhere else. He probably scores. Um, Pickford didn't have, have a great deal to do. I've got a bit, you know, he didn't have much to do. But then at the other end of the pitch, you, you, Leicester in in Everson had a player who was totally inspired. But Leicester fans will tell you, since they, they took out Danny Ward and brought him in, he's been exceptional for them. Um, and and he's you know he, he's made save after save. We, you know, first half, Alex Iwobi, fantastic save. Obviously, the one-off Dom, the one-off McNeil first half as well, when it gets pulled back and he, he saves that one. In second half, you look at the one from Decore, you know, left foot, looks all the world and it's going in the bottom corner and somehow he gets a fingertip to it. And if it wasn't for him, Everton could have won the game 3-4-5-2, to be honest with you. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it would have been a fair reflection on the chances we created. You know, what was it, 18 shots in the box? The most we've ever had since since that data was actually uh, brought out in 2015. Incredible stat. So it shows you what what's, what gives me a little bit of confidence you know, for the final four games. Is it shows you that Everton can cause teams problems. The big concern is the fact that we've conceded two more goals. We did concede some other good chances. Obviously, one being a penalty, but the Jamie Vardy is two chances that he missed, you know, Put their put their xG right up there. You know when you've got two teams got a combined xG of over six point five. I think it was. That tells you all that you need to know about about both defenses. If I'm being perfectly honest, um, but as I say, the big concern for me is defensively. We likelihood is we're not going to see Seamus Coleman before next season. You would think uh, with the best will in the world, and you've then obviously got the situation surrounding the centre half position and. It's not about we don't want to sit here and call players. I've never really been our style, but we've got to discuss the you know the what happens during a game and what's happened in recent weeks. And, and Michael Keane is massively struggling. Let's get it right. This is not a case of I want to sit here and slag him off, but he's struggling. And the manager for me has got to look at it. I think you're bang on there, Mike. That's a really good summation there. I, I, you just mentioned some of the stats there, and obviously I, I just elaborate on some of those. Like in the first half. We had 14 shots of their six, which is which is obviously crazy in itself. We had six corners to their none, right? So that tells you that obviously you know where the ascendancy was, where most of the chances were coming from. We had 12 shots inside their box in the first half to their six, which is you know absolute dominance. But what you just alluded to there was 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 bang on the fact that every time they seem to go forward though. We just looked all at sea, didn't we? Now, that's not what you'd expect from a Sean Dice team. Do you know what I mean? This team that was, is currently out there now, and I think I mentioned this on the last po- podcast, I think what Dice is, is finding at the minute, he clearly knows that obviously we need to score goals because we're, we're, we're you know, 
let's be honest, we've been toothless all season. And I know some of that's down to injuries as well and not having Calvert-Lewin for most of it. And obviously, you know, we know Mopay's not up to it and everything else. So he's caught between a rock and a hard place, isn't he, of trying to make sure that we get that first goal, certainly, or trying to score goals. And then at the same time, at the, as a result of that, we're just making far too many mistakes. You know what I mean? It's not as if we're scoring goals now and we keep, we're keeping clean sheets nearly every week. We're not. It's, 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 you know, it's almost like a Bielsa. It's, just, it's almost like a Bielsa game, isn't it? It's a game of basketball that's going on right in front of our eyes. It's not a Sean Dyche, a typical Sean Dyche team. I just said to you there, you know, in, in some of the matches we've had, we've had a 2-2 against Forest, we've had a 2-2 against Chelsea, and we've had a 2-2 here, all away from home. You know what I mean? It's, it's, we've scored effectively six goals away from home there, and we've come away with three points. Now, if you convert at least one of them to a win, and let's be honest, we took our foot off the gas against Forest and should have won that game. If you convert one of those to win, you know, it, the table looks completely different again, doesn't it? It's that tight down there right now. And I just felt, for me there, at 2-2, you know, the game was there for the taking, as I said earlier on in the podcast. And, you know, they had, they had their spell, didn't they? After we scored the goal, they had a spell for about 10, 15 minutes where when we reverted to playing on the counter-attack. If you look at some of our players, then they were on their backsides, mate. The Corey was blowing out of his backside big time. He was struggling. He was, you know, he's not the best passer of the ball at the best of times, but you know, because he was blowing out his arse, he, he was struggling to keep to keep hold of the ball. He was struggling to do that press, which is obviously what he's known for. And I'm so so surprised he didn't bring on some, you know, at that point. He could have even brought Damari Gray on and played in that that position, couldn't he? You just pick it up in the transition, mate, and just run with it. You know what I mean? Just run with it. And you know, we had we've had some more chances. I mean, I. You know, Everson there had you know the game of his life. We know that. I mean, it's typical, isn't it? You know that save he made from Awobi in the first half was unbelievable. The save he made, uh, you know, going the other way from McNeil. You know what I mean? Gets a hand out and saves it. Saves with his legs with Calvert-Lewin at the start of the second half. Good save. Calvert-Lewin gets any sort of height on that at the near post. It's probably a goal, but he still saved it with his feet. You know, and then the save he does at the very end there. You know, from from Decore. He absolutely caught it, by the way. You know what I mean? He, he caught it with his weak foot. And he's massively... He saw that last minute, didn't he, the keeper? He saw, you know, the, the, the defender's blocking his view. And he gets a hand on it. You know, Castle Schmeichel said he's known for... You know, he was known having having worked with him for having really strong wrists. And I think a lot of goalkeepers, hey, because it's hit with force, could have easily parried that into their own net. Because, you know, and he still got it. He still managed to get it behind the post. I mean, unbelievable, mate, how, how, how we didn't go ahead, like I said, and win that game. But for me, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that, you know, that, that come into it in, in terms of why we didn't get, didn't win the game. But I, I just wanted to get your thoughts quickly on how on earth did we not make any subs, mate? I, I, I just, I, I'm baffled. And I've spoken to nearly loads of my mates who are blues and, and, and everyone else is saying the same thing. I cannot believe. We didn't make any subs when we could clearly see, you know, we'd given so much to the game that we were we were tiring. Yeah, I mean, well, I mentioned didn't I about the the situation at half time with Keane and Awobi and players who who aren't in form, um, and and it's shown we can recount that they're not in form, and we will come back to, to to that in a second. But in terms of making substitutes during the game, Everton made one substitute which was forced. Obviously, Seamus Coleman going off injured and, and Nathan Patterson coming on. And you, you Leicester brought on three players, three players who, who potentially could have changed the game whilst leaving other players on the bench who could also change the game. The likes of Tete, who's a, who's a, a lovely, lovely footballer, a great talent. Um, but they, they brought on players who, who would look, you know, to, to win the game. Whereas I'm thinking to myself, a two-one down here, nearly three-one down. As manager. We, we can't afford to lose this game. So whether it's drawn or, or won, okay, we, we, in the end, we got a two-all draw. We cannot afford to lose this game of football because if you do, more than anything, obviously, from a points perspective, it looks, it, it's terrible. It takes a rival away from you. But from a, a, a mental perspective, psychological, it will absolutely be a nail in the coffin for, for those players, for fans. Uh, that's how it was built up and that's how it would have gone. So to not, you know, make, make changes... Is so strange. It's two all, you know, when we were probably on top again. Like you say, you got the Corey who looks leggy. Um, you know, we we put a lot into the game as well. I even said about Dom. Dom was knackered. He was absolutely knackered with about twenty to go. And at that point, you think 
is it worthwhile now going right? Ellis Sims on the Mari Gray, get their fullback. He's on a yellow card, get the fullback. Because if we're looking to counter anyway, what one player that you want on the pitch when you are trying to counter is the Mari Gray because of his pace. If he comes on fresh with 20 to go, he's going to cause problems. We know what he can do. We know he's inconsistent, but we know what he can do. So those two players, especially, and as I said, at half time, I would have hooked my hooky, no problem at all. We should have made more than the one force change. The manager has got to look at that and go, what can I do to posit- uh, positively influence the game and manage the game effectively? And for me, you've got to make changes and be proactive because in recent weeks, the management changes, have, uh, the manager's changes have been so reactive. You know, but we've been like 2 0 down against Newcastle when we're making changes. Well, what's the point in that? It just makes no sense. You two nil down against the side, they were going to get Champions League football. They were flying high. The game's gone. It was a waste of bloody time. Do it when you're in with a shout because you might as well have changed it against Newcastle at 1 0 and got beat 4 1 anyway. Than wait to go 2 0 down and get beat 4 1. It makes no difference. We, we, would, we would see it more favourably if you make the change to try and actually influence the game at the time. I think that's bang on. I think what we've seen so far from Daesh. And this is not just a laying on him. He's got a lot of things right as well. What we've seen from him is, is he's very much a reactive manager, not a proactive manager, isn't he? You know what I mean? I think the top managers see things, you know, unfolding and they make the changes. They're not scared to make the changes either, even at half time. You know, and in some cases, we've seen it in the past where they've made changes in the first half. You know what I mean? And, you know, he's a very reactive manager. And, you know, in some, in some in well, a lot of cases, like you said, the games are already gone and it's too late. And then you're, then you're trying to climb a mountain instead of a hill. And I just think it was crying. I, I, you know, Anana was on the bench. There was rumours that he was obviously ill uh, or carrying an illness, wasn't there? So maybe that's why he didn't start. James Garner didn't do anything wrong for me. He played very well. You know what I mean? He's, he's very neat and tidy on the ball. For me, he needs to impact the game a little bit more. You know what I mean? In terms of shots, you know he's got a good shot on him. He needs to, he needs to have a bit more of an effect before he becomes another Andre Gomez in a way where he's neat and tidy, but then doesn't really affect the game. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I thought Garner came in and did well. Uh, I'd have brought on Onana for Decore. As I said, he was clearly really struggling to get anything going in the last 30 minutes. And like you said, all day it was crying out for Gray. And I'd have brought Gray on even for Iwobi. I know Iwobi got the goal, but like you said, he, he was he was tired. And I think the way he thinks, Daish, his pragmatism kicks in first, doesn't it? It's the same with Allardyce before him. It's the same with Benitez. Pragmatism is the overriding thing. So literally, he'd have been thinking, well, if I bring Damari on, Suddenly now that means that he's he's not going to come and track track uh, um, track his his, his fellow um, uh, fullback or winger on that side. He's not going to protect Patterson, is he? You know, I mean that exposes, but you know, so that instantly instead of him thinking, well, look, we need to win this game really because we know the fixture list isn't easy. You know, what I mean, so this is a real opportunity to go and get it. Now, in isolation, if this was a game, twenty games to go, and you know we get a we get a draw against one of our rivals down there, and it's when it finishes two two, you'd say it's a good point. You can understand it. There's four games to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's not twenty games to go. It's four games to go. Yeah, I mean, and there was elements of that against Forest where we just completely dropped off and invited pressure, didn't we? Now in the end, we were lucky not to lose that probably three two in the end after they got the equaliser. You know, we let them grab the momentum when we were winning two one. You know what I mean? And and you just can't you just can't do that. You know, the best teams go out there and, and, and go and get the third goal, you know what I mean? Or whatever it whatever it is in this case. So I just think yeah, you are right, it was a game we couldn't lose definitely. But at the same time, a point was better for Leicester with the way the table looked. Yeah, it it, it was, um and is, but it certainly keeps it it kept I feel it keeps us as fans a lot more I say investors is probably the wrong word, but there's a bit more hope than there would have been if if we lose the game. That's that's for sure. And um, it was you know it's, we know how mentally draining things are at the moment. I mean after Thursday, probably for the first time ever, I had to take days away from from Twitter. I couldn't even look at social media because I just didn't want to get involved. And it wasn't until probably some um, I think it was Saturday I put something on on Twitter on our official account and. And that, this is what it does to you. It, it plays it plays with your mind and you try and switch off at home and, and you can't and then you're sitting there watching for other results and other games that impact everything and it's just so difficult to actually to actually try and step away and, and not think about it because it's at the forefront of your mind. Um, but we're certainly we're certainly in in with a fighting chance. That's what's got to be said. We, we certainly are so tight down there. 
we've got to believe we can do it. You know, as fans, we, we, we'll keep on pushing. Support is fantastic yet again at Leicester. Absolutely fantastic to see to see the sort out of way end as as usual and the, the support of the, the fans give the players. I thought I thought they were loud all game and, and, and a credit to, to us as fans. Um but before we before we, we call it a, a bit of a halt and go on to the second half and look ahead to, to the Brighton game, your thoughts, Lee, on the situation surrounding Michael Keane, our defence, where we currently stand, because I don't know about you, but it, it it appears to me there's a bit of stubbornness with Sean Dyche in terms of he he will know about all the noise from outside in, in regards to Michael Keane's form. And I always say about Michael Keane, we've discussed him time and again. He when he's got someone alongside him who can talk him through a game, generally he's all right. When he plays against lesser experience uh, with lesser experienced partners, he struggles. But when his confidence goes, which I'd, I'd say at this moment in time, his confidence is totally shot, along with Ben Godfrey, as we mentioned before, he's got to be safe from himself, almost by the manager, and taken out of the fray. Whether the manager has had a previous relationship, he trusts him, we, we know all that, he knows exactly what the, what the player can do. When you've got Connor Cody, who was rightly removed from the start 11 for, for, for poor form, I understood all that, I got it. And you've got Yegi Mina, who I'd still argue till I'm blue in the face that he's our best centre half. When you've got those two waiting in the wings to, to come in, the manager can't afford, can he, to, to just solely rely on, on a player f- from just a, a blind faith perspective? I think that's bang on. Look, the stats speak for themselves. We, we, we've gone over this, haven't we, after the game? And, and obviously, it's been out there on Twitter, I think, since. And, Sean Dice came into into Everton. Obviously, we're on a bad run. Um, you know, it, it, it's we had four games with Connor Cody. Now, Cody was his form was before Dice came in. You know, he was. We noticed it, didn't we? A lot, a lot of time, as defenders do when they're not playing, not playing their best, is they retreat. And he was on the edge of his own six-yard box a lot of the time, dropping off, dropping off, deeper and deeper. And we were conceding so many chances, weren't we, on the edge of our box and even in our box, because our defensive line was so deep, right? But first game in charge comes in, Cody and Tarkovsky at the back. We beat Arsenal 1-0, great result. Gave the boost that everybody needed against a very good side. We obviously, over the next three games, we obviously beat Leeds, don't we? And keep another clean sheet. Beat Leeds 1-0, great goal from Coleman. We lose to Liverpool and we lose to Villa, both 2-0. So... Across those four games, we conceded four goals, won two, lost two, with Cody and Tarkovsky at the back. Um, the next 11 games, I think it's 11 games since then, we've conceded 20 goals, averaging roughly two goals a game. And we've won one of those, of those 11 games. Now, that's no coincidence for me since Michael Keane's come into the side. Now, we don't want to sit here and lambast, obviously, one particular player, but he's had a big hand in a lot of the mistakes that have led to goals in a lot of those games. Do you know what I mean? We really have. We, you know, we, His first game he comes in, we lose 4-0 to Arsenal away from home. Obviously, haven't beaten them 1-0 a few games before that. Now, don't get me wrong, going away to the Emirates, they were high-flying. They'd recovered after losing that game to us. It was always going to be a big ask. But that's the first time this season we conceded four goals in a game. Dice came out himself, didn't he, and said... I want. I, I got Kino in. He wasn't fit. I know Kino. He came in, and then I, I wasn't just going to give him one game. Particularly Arsenal away from home, even though we conceded four and we were awful at the back. He then obviously he, he then gives him a run in the side. He now has to see. You know, is a guy that always talks about metrics and everything else. Dice's metrics since he's come in are now worse than Lampard's defensively. Michael Keane was clearly fifth choice under uh, the previous manager. Now, one of the big things that Lampard did was was want to bring in Tarkowski and, and Cody. And and as fans, let's be honest, we all know that Keane, when, when his head's gone like this and his confidence is gone, he's an absolute liability. He gave away the penalty against Spurs not long after the sending off. He gave away the penalty that Jordan Pickford saved against Leicester. That's two penalties he's given away. He's made mistakes that have led to goals in other games as well. He got turned inside out along with three other defenders uh, with Isaac against Newcastle. 
We were unlucky not to concede with Vardy, as I said, turned him inside out and hit the crossbar. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I cannot understand with Yerry Mina and Connor Cody on the bench how they're not coming into the side. Now, we can understand with Mina to a point, he's not played a minute under him, which baffles me because I still think he's, he's our best centre-half and we've said that numerous times. But how he's not brought Cody back in, how he's not brought him back in at least, you know, he should have been hauled off at half-time, shouldn't he? Yeah, that was the most obvious substitution. He was having a nightmare. He even told the referee where he unballed it. I mean, have you ever seen anything like it in your life? He goes, no, oh, no, no, ref, it hit me here. And he went, yeah, what's the penalty, mate? Yeah, you know I mean, it's the shirt line. He goes, yeah, I, know. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know what I mean? And we just, right now at this stage of the season, we just cannot be making mistakes. These mistakes are leading to goals. These mistakes are leading to goals. You know, in games that we probably could have picked things, you know, you know, definitely could have picked more points up if we'd have probably had a more, you know, a less calamitous centre off, for want of a better word. Do you know what I mean? And, and I just think right now, for his own good, he needs to make a bold decision here and take him out of the team. He needs to. You know, the next two games we've got, and we'll, we'll discuss this shortly, the next two games we've got, the games are going to be nowhere near, well, I hope they're not, like the game against Leicester City. We're not going to see hardly any of the ball. We're certainly not going to have 20 shots in the game. You know what I mean? Against two sides that like to get on the ball and control games. We're going to have probably low blocks and, you know, literally conceding probably 70% of the ball. So, you know, does that suit Keane in a way? Yeah, ironically, it does. You know what I mean? We know that he likes, you know, defend the low block and, and, and that's where, you know, I, you know having, having said that he should be dropped, that, 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 that type of game probably suits him. But he's still, for me, we just look, we just look so unsure. I think it's affected Tarkovsky since he's come in the team. I think his level's dropped a little bit. I think Jordan Pickford's even looked a little bit sort of iffy and edgy. You know what I mean? And 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 things like that as well. Even though he's obviously played well in a lot of games as well. But I just think I just think the whole defence just looks really shaky when he's been in the side. And we just cannot afford to do that right now, these last four games. Yeah, I mean, it's 20, 20 goals conceded in ten games since he's come in, which is a, a lot a lot of goals. Two goals a game, isn't it? Goals, yeah. yeah, it's two goals a game. And it's not all down to Michael Keane. Of course, we we've we've picked apart other players as well. And we mentioned, obviously, Ben Godfrey has, has, has struggled. We've missed Seamus Coleman. We're going to miss him again. Um, obviously, Holgate came in and gets himself gets himself sent off. Michalenko hasn't been particularly particularly solid. Um, he's had some half-decent games. Arsenal uh, probably being his best game of the season in Sean Dice's first game. But, you know, there's so many issues with that back four. But like you say, obviously, with the, with the Brighton game on the horizon, the fact that we can't afford to play and set up the way we did against Leicester and play that particular brand of football, it's going to be totally different. And our defensive line will be will be deeper than what we saw on, on Monday night. But, you know, I suppose it's easy as fans to say, well, you should be bringing in so-and-so, you should be bringing in so-and-so. But it's certainly not a, not a knee-jerk reaction from the fan base. It's it's been seen over numerous games. And as, as we've said, once Michael, once Michael Keane's confidence does drop, he struggles to get it back. So what he does need is to be taken out, press that reset button, and then sort of come come back in again. And we're in a high pressure situation at this moment in time, and and we can't can't afford to be carrying passengers on the playing side of things, whether it be from a physical side or a mental side. We've got to make sure that everyone's switched on, everyone's obviously as fully fit as they can be at this stage of the season to to ensure that we can pick up points to hopefully guide ourselves to safety. But um, that's that's for the manager, but I, I do I do think it's something. I know I know our press conferences certain certain um, media media people have asked them, of journalists have asked the question, you know, about Yeri Mina as, as an example. You know, what you got to do to 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 be looked at, so to speak. Um, it's almost well, wait wait for your wait for your turn. Um, but I think things have got to change because we can't afford for this stubbornness to be the reason as to why. We go down. We just can't. If a change has got to be made for the good of the team, whether you, you like a player or not, whether you've got a, a relationship with a player or not from a previous club, it doesn't matter. The most important thing is Everton's top flight status. That's and, and it's not not about upsetting people. You know whether you upset somebody or not doesn't matter. If we stay in the Premier League, that's what matters. So for me, he's got a lot to change things. You know we we've been quick to change. Obviously, the left back, right back, or the centre halves. It, it can't be any different with Michael Keane. And that, that's unfortunately where, where we are. But 
like you said, obviously Brighton's next um, totally different game. We we imagine to what we saw last Monday as we go into Brighton away on Monday coming. And we're going to discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Eternity podcast as we look ahead to to our difficult trip, obviously, to, to high-flying Brighton. What a, what a side they've become over the last couple of years. Um, we've said it time and again, change of mind means very little to them. They still play very, very attractive football. They've got a fantastic system in place at the club. And, and they're sitting at this moment in time in eighth, but with three games in hand as we speak, they are playing Manchester United, aren't they, uh, tonight? So it's a side who, when we get there come Monday, they could quite quite easily be sitting higher than they are. They could be could go above Tottenham into sixth with a with a win tonight. And it's a it's a side Lee, who almost we 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 strive to be, don't we? You know, we look at what's what's happened at Everton in recent years, and you look at the way that Brighton are running and players that they bring in for small amounts of money and make them into players who, who go for tens of millions of pounds and, and that's that's their that's their system and you almost look at them with a with a massive massive touch of envy don't you they're a fantastic football team mate they really are I mean Graham Potter's obviously did a fantastic job there him and his team Todd Bowley and all his uh, fantasy football mates come in and pay extortion amounts of money for not just Potter but half, half his half his squad coaching staff um, and then to Zerbi comes in, and that's a sign of a good club. You know, they've already got a plan in place when they lose a the manager. Bring De Zerbi in. No one really bats an eyelid. Obviously, everybody knows De Zerbi's, you know, one of those coaches that's well thought of, you know, good young coach, exciting young coach. But, you know, let's be honest, no, no one was like, oh, they've got De Zerbi, were they? They weren't, they weren't like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a bit like that when Villa got Emery, which was like, that's a great coup for them to pull Emery away and get him. And obviously, he's gone on to do a fantastic job. But De Zerbi's taken them on to another level. You know, we, we were all saying it wasn't that long ago when we played Brighton at home and we were all just there, weren't we, going, right, this is a game we can win. You know, we need to win this game. It was another one of those chance to win a game at home, you know, to, 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 to sort of pull ourselves away, get ourselves in a strong position. I mean, let's be honest, Brighton could have scored seven or eight that night. They were unbelievable. I mean, you know, the way they play, and they've done not just done this to us, they've done this to so many teams. They beat Liverpool 4-0 a lot long after they beat us. You know what I mean? And, and you know, they, they put six past Wolves at the weekend at home. And that could have been 10. And that's not an exaggeration, by the way. It could have been 10. You know, a Wolves team that has semi-turned the corner, they've got some results together and pulled themselves away. You know what I mean? They've got some good players in that team. And they made them look very ordinary. And, you know, it's... it's it, he, Zerbi has got them playing some fantastic football. A lot of, you know, I've, I've looked at some of the tactics he's been doing and He's obviously another disciple of Pep in a way. He was well known that he used to go and watch, you know, Pep when he was uh, coaching by Bayern Munich and people like that. So the way he plays, and I and I watched it closely when we when we, when we, went, we played them at uh, Goodison, and I remember their centre halves. If you remember this, Mike, their centre halves used to walk up to our striker and go, "Go on then, come and press me." Inviting a press, they were playing at walking pace. Mm. Now they do this. They do this to a lot of teams. The whole idea is that as soon as that press happens, that's their trigger. That press, as soon as that press happens, bam, 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 they pass it round you, they've got it into midfield. You know, they normally sometimes have a double pivot sitting there, you know what I mean, to receive the ball. Then bam, they play through you. And before you know it, in three or four passes, they're in on goal. You know, they're trying to create that overload out wide. They're trying to create one-on-one situations. Matoma, by the way, where on earth they pulled him from? I mean, he's another one alongside Caicedo, um, you know, and a few of the other lads that are probably worth now 50 million. You know what I mean? I mean, Matoma was one of the one of the success stories of, of of the league this season. He's been absolutely outstanding. Scored an unbelievable goal against us, if you remember as well. Uh, took his goal brilliantly, and you know he's gone on and been a, been one of the best players since since we've come back after the World Cup. So, I mean, I said to you there, you know, the reason I I felt we needed to win that game more than anything against Leicester was because Brighton since since the turn of the since the, uh, the second uh, half of the season has started after the World Cup, mate. If you look at the stats, the number one for shots, the number one for XG, the number one for um, uh, progressive passes, I think, in the final third. That, do you know what I mean? I mean, you look at all the stats. I mean, that's unbelievable when you consider how well Arsenal and City have played since the restart as well. I mean, absolutely incredible what they've done. And, and it worries me that we cannot go into that game against Brighton. And I hope to God Dice doesn't. We cannot go in there and go, 
right, let's do what we did against Newcastle and Leicester and try and put it on them early doors because that'll be playing into their hands. They'll be looking. They would be loving that. I, we've got to go into that game and almost revert back to what I would have thought a dice team would look like, which is basically, you know, I dare I even say it, you know, just a, a massive low block. Everybody's sitting off and just stifling. I think that's the way you can beat this Brighton team is you just make it hard for them to create overloads out wide. You make it tight through the middle and just you, you just be tight, full stop, and just be, you know, close the spaces down and then just try and get something either from a set piece or from a counter-attack. If we go out and try and, and try and create, you know, like we did against Leicester in a way, like almost like a, you know, a basketball game, then, mate, it, it, it could be a massacre. Now, this is my worry. In the next two games, you know, they could, if we're not careful and with the mistakes we've been making at the back and how open we've looked, it's not inconceivable that Brighton and City could put a load of goals past us and then suddenly that goal difference is better than some of the teams around us could be eradicated, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a massively valid point, you know. Two two sides, you are know, free scoring in Brighton and Man City. Um, so that's something that we need to be need to be obviously very wary of. But the Brighton game, the playing United, obviously, uh, sorry, on Thursday, not 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 tonight. But it's will it help us? That's you know who knows. It's still it's still a good few days before before Monday that they well, obviously, playing on a Thursday may may impact it. The mind just thinking about who we start because Brighton have got to say they've got so many games in hand. They're playing catch up. Um, they can well not to concern the thing, but the unfortunate thing for us is that Brighton um, don't really start to to catch up the games until after they've they've played us. So obviously, playing Manchester United tomorrow as we speak today, which obviously is Wednesday. Um, they then obviously play ourselves on. On Monday, um, they then got a they got a little week little week break anyway until they play they play the next game, which which happens to be Arsenal away or six days, should I say? And it's not till after then that they then go into a lot of games in such a short space of time. So, you know, the fact that you know the games that they've got to play don't come until a little bit later doesn't really help ourselves. But all we can do is be concerned with how we prepare, how we set up. Like you say, it can't be. The same approach, and I know it's, it sounds really simple to say, but it can't be the same approach as we've seen against Leicester. And in a sense, Newcastle, you know, um, we, we've got to we've got to go there and think. Okay, well, anything we get at Brighton for me is a bonus. If we come away with the points, it's a big point, as far as I'm concerned, because it's a place. I know we went there. If you think back last season under our former manager, I picked up a win by the way um, at the at the start of the season. It's a place that. No one likes to go to, given how how good this side are. You, know, you look at the at the, the recent fixtures you mentioned there. They they put six past Wolves in a six 0 win. They lost away to Forest three one, which for me was was solely down to the fact that they put so much into the semi final of the FA Cup a few days earlier against Manchester United. Obviously came away with a with a defeat there on penalties, which must have been. I will, by the way, quickly interject you there. I watched that Forest game, and they could have been four or five and up at half time. By the way. They Forest, could, they could. Forest were very, very lucky, and they scored the jammiest own goal. You know what I mean? They, it was right on the cusp of half time when it last kick of the mm-hmm. half, and they all it was was a cross took a massive deflection. It made it one one at half time. Now Forest, I know they've been very good at home this season, but Brighton played them off the pitch. They played mm-hmm. them off the pitch, and that game should have been put to bed. But that gave Forest, you know, they had a bit of luck with a penalty, didn't they, as well at two one. You know what I mean? And that, you know, on another day there, I think if they'd have played that match 10 times, Brighton would have won that seven or eight times out of 10. Mm. But obviously, we we know the way things go for us at this moment in time, that it was always going to go the other way, wasn't it? So, um, but, you know, Brighton are in, are in semi-decent form, you know, even before the semi-final, they went to Chelsea. Mind you, most sides go to Chelsea and get something, but they went to Chelsea and won. Got beat by Spurs, which was a travesty, given the, the officiating that day. I hardly lost that game. Um, is when you look at the un, at the word corruption, look at that game because it was unbelievable. What unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, and the goal that was disallowed and beat, beat Bournemouth. Great game against Brentford at the uh, the Amex all. You know they're a side who've got goals in them. Um, they can defend. They can be difficult to beat. Um, they'll pass the ball around yeah quite comfortably. So we've got to be so careful. We can't afford, like you said, you know, look, look at the game at Goodison Park under Frank Lampard. It was you know one of the final nails in his in his coffin. But 
we approached that game and and thought, you know, we we could sign at times, try and try and take the, the game to them, and they just exposed us. They waited, as you said, they waited for us to, to close them down, and as soon as we did, left spaces all over the park. They exposed it, and before you know it, you know you you're shipping goals left, right, and centre, and that can't happen. That just cannot happen on Monday when we go there. We've got to go there and revert back to, to what we were when Sean Dice first came in, you know, and, and just be difficult to break down. Um, you know, I hope the players, my, my, my thoughts after the, the Leicester game where the players can take some kind of confidence from, from Monday, the fact that they did face some adversity. They were 2-1 down. They lost Seamus Coleman. You know, we had a penalty against us as well. It could have been a lot worse. They came back. They got, got back to 2 all and could have won the game. So the players have got to think, you know what? We have got something in us. I asked them on Monday to, to show us, can can the players go to Brighton? And can they show us a bit of bottle and a bit of heart and apply themselves correctly? Because a lot of the time, that when you're playing against sides, you are of a better quality, which I think Leicester are. The, the squad's a better squad than ours, in my opinion. Its application is, is as important as quality. And Everton have got to be exactly the same. Brighton are a better side. Go and apply yourselves correctly. Be difficult to break down. You know, will the manager? Yeah, will he make make changes? Will he make a couple of changes? That remains to be seen. We we, we certainly can't be reliant on that. Um, but it's it's a game along with Man City, obviously the week after that I go to with go into with a lot of, lot of trepidation as a fan and and fear that, like you said, Lee, it could be a game where where we ship a few goals and that certainly won't help things going forward. No, we need as much protection as possible, mate. We really do. You know, Patterson came on and quitted himself well when he came on, like I said before. But he also got, you know, Harvey Barnes got at him a couple of times. Now, Patterson is very good at driving with the ball and going the other way. I think, he, you know, he's almost a bit Trent-like with his defending. He's certainly 1v1. He gets done on the outside quite easily. You know what I mean? He's, he's, not, he's not, it doesn't come naturally to him, does it? You know, that, that ability to defend. You know, I watched Wan-Bazaka against Matoma in, 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 the, in, the, um, in the cup final. And let's be fair, I mean, Wambazaka gives you absolutely nothing going the other way, but he is probably one of the best in the league one-on-one, isn't he? Not many people get past him. And to be fair, he played Matoma pretty well in that game. So to ask Patterson to come in and, and, and try and do that against him is going to be a tough ask. He's going to need as much support as possible because I can guarantee you now Deserby will be looking to do look, looking to get the likes of him, Solly March and McAllister and people like on the ball. You know what I mean? To try and basically create things. And, and, and those those boys are very dangerous. They've all had fantastic seasons. Um, and I just I just think we've, we've, we've got to revert. You've got to revert to just dropping off. And I know it's not something you know, we want to do, but we've got, we've, we, like you just said there, a point, you'd take a nil-nil right now, wouldn't you? Or a 1-1 or something like that. You know, they are vulnerable. They're not the best at the back. You know, they're, they're not, they, you know they have conceded goals. You just mentioned some of the results there. But we've got to be in the game. You know, we've got to be in the game. You know, he will stick probably with four at the back. There's even an argument to say, could we even make it even tighter and go with five at the back? We've got, we've got about 15 centre-halves on the bench. So, you know, do you do something like that and, and bring in maybe Cody back in or a Yerimina back in? And then, you know, that gives that Patterson a little bit more protection, doesn't it, then, in terms of, you know, being exposed against the likes of Matoma and people like that? Because, you know, it's, it's a sh- hopefully a sure shout that Patterson carries on now and goes... You know, go straight into the game, but will he change it and maybe do that? Probably not. But there's an argument to maybe say that we could do that and maybe go five four one and just be basically just shut down all the spaces, like I said, and just try and be difficult to beat. Because then we go into a city game, who are obviously going to play very similar, have all of the ball, um, and obviously Goodison will be what it will be. It'll be it's you know it, it's at its sort of you know vociferous best, won't it? When when City come into town, but let's be honest, City are, are going for the title. They've got everything to play for. You know the steamrolling teams at the minute, left, right, and centre, aren't they? So that's going to be an even tougher ask. So um, if we could get get anything against Brighton, it would be an absolute you know godsend, really. Every point's vital, isn't it? Every every point's vital, and you know whether that's a point at Brighton, whether it's three points. You know, we, we, we will class, in my opinion, points as being a really, really positive positive outcome from, from the game. But it's a big, big ask for me, given where both sides are, given the the psychological state of both sides probably as well. Uh, I just hope that we have taken something as a, as as players from from that game on Monday. Um, but 
as I say, huge ask. But do you think? Do you think we can leave? What's what's your prediction for the game? Are you? Are you, are you I suppose say confident. I'm not confident of anything. But do you think we can nick a point? Well, yeah. The optimist in us tells us that uh, it's going to be. You know, you take a draw right now. But let, let's be honest. If Brighton turn up, they have done recently in some of these games. Look how they played last week. It's going to be a massive ask, isn't it, mate? It really is. I hope Dice has got. You'd like to think he's got the nows to know that we just can't go and try and take him on like we did against Leicester. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Leicester are at the bottom of the league for the reason, or near the bottom of the league for the reason, because they're scoring goals, but they're conceding goals left, right, and centre, aren't they? And and for me, like I said, just like I said before, then just just be as difficult to beat as possible. And if we can and and stay in the game as long as possible. I think we've got a chance. If we can see fairly early and we're chasing the game, I think there's no chance, mate. So I, I, I'm going to I'm going to try and say and, and, and pray. I'm going to say nil nil. <laughs> nil nil nil. That'll be probably the most surprising result in our in our recent history. To be honest with you, um, but like you know, like you say, they, they're not not as if they always Brighton always don't concede. Of course, they've been involved in a few games where they've conceded, and, and recently as well. You know, we, we talk about Forest putting putting three past them. Of course, a few weeks prior to that, Brentford went to the Amex. Obviously, Brentford are right up there, challenging for European football. They went there, got a, got a three all draw. Spurs have put a couple past them. So the the defense is, is certainly not uh, can be broken down. It's whether we've got the tools to actually unlock unlock the Brighton defense, and whether we'll play in a manner. That means that we're going to get many chances. It could be literally playing for for set pieces, you know, your corners, your free kicking and around the box, even even long throw-ins and things like that, just to put a bit of pressure on the back four. Uh, but I think Everton's approach will be very very conservative. Uh, I mean, my heart says we could nick something, maybe uh, in another another dimension. I'd probably say one all, but my head sort of says that Brighton are going to win the game, and we just need to keep the score down as best we can. Um, before obviously Man City drop up the champions elect to go to some park. Um, but fingers crossed, you know, the important thing is that let's get the players through this week. Let's hope obviously Dom, uh, great to see him back and, and playing you know, how many games he's played now. He's he's played uh, Palace, played against Newcastle, played against uh against we just played Leicester, but my mind's my mind's playing six on me. It's it's uh, just it's full of Everton and it's all over the place. And also we played obviously the behind closed door game against Chester. So he's stringing games together, which is great. And he's looking he's looking sharper every single time that, that I see him, which is which is good for us. So hopefully that continues. Hopefully the players get through it though the rest of the week. I think farm unscathed and and we can go there uh, in as in as fine a festival as as we can be at this stage of the season. But that's us for today. Obviously, Everton don't play again until another bank holiday Monday. Uh, this Monday, R5 against Brighton. So no no Sunday slot again this week, but we'll be, we will be back over the course of next week to look back on the Brighton game and look ahead to the difficult visits of, of as I say, the champions elect Manchester City to Goodison Park the following weekend. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.